moments. Moments will be lost in time. Merry Christmas. Like tears. line between an annoying audience and like a very cool receptive audience but I, it's like amazing when you're in a great audience watching a movie and they're just reacting well to everything jackass 3d was an amazing experience <laughs> in an audience <laughs> it was it's a legit it's it's fantastic cinema first of all and it was just a great audience experience it's it, i would say it's the best 3d movie i've ever seen inch and i were just talking about jackass earlier today nice. <laughs> i think yeah. the 3d in avatar paved the way for the 3d of a dildo being <laughs> shot <laughs> over a miniature set of paris <laughs> in slow motion <laughs> that was what avatar crawled so that that could run <laughs> so we watched green room mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> about to be like what the fuck are you guys what talking? is film runners anymore <laughs> what do you mean yeah. um green room which one of you picked this it was i <laughs> yeah i didn't need to ask it was me all along <laughs> uh yeah i didn't need to ask because you've been trying to get me to watch this movie since it came out yeah because it is in my opinion one of the greatest movies of all time <laughs> I love Green Room. Uh, it was my favorite movie of, I think, 2015 when it came out. And it's still one of my favorite movies ever. And uh, and I know you really like Patrick Stewart. So I, I was like, I gotta get Billy to watch it. <laughs> it's a pretty simple, basic premise. It's kind of weirdly, there's some complicated dynamics going on. But the premise is very simple. It's a punk band who end up doing a show at a uh, uh, neo-Nazi bar. <laughs> and yeah. uh, not bury the lead. And they get, uh, they go into the green room after they're set, and a lady is dead there, and then they get harangued by the, <laughs> uh, by the white nationalists <laughs> into staying there, uh, and shit goes crazy from there. That's the basic setup of it. Had you seen it before, Incha? Yeah, but I didn't remember much about it, and, like, I was super... There was, like, a part I was super surprised at, and then I forgot how good everybody was. Yeah. Because it's so fucking simple, and it's just so good. It's, like, the opposite of... It's, like, the neo-Nazi version of, like, Get Out. (laughs) Yeah. Although that (laughs) makes it sound like it's from the perspective of (laughs) neo-Nazis, like... Some neo, uh, some like skinhead goes to his black girlfriend's family and they like brainwash him. Well, there's the, yeah, that would be fine. That would be fine. That would be your favorite movie ever, Billy. Is that what you're saying? Oh no. It would. I I would be fine with people stealing neo Nazis' bodies to live long, productive lives. Yeah. Or just 
it's a trick to just kill him. <laughs> the movie's <laughs> like ten minutes long, he shows up and they just kill him. I would say, um, to compare it to earlier films we've watched, it's sort of like a mix of Get Out and Free Fire. Yeah. Because it has that sort of, uh commentary and social angle of get out but then like in just said the simplicity that drives it it's just it's just hey these people are fucked and they need to try and make it out yeah it's got a very um uh it's very self-contained like the only real like there's some preamble before they get there and then really we're just contained within the bar and mostly the green room uh until Mm -hmm. then also Mm -hmm. the end um that's why it's called green right but uh yeah and it does have that the sort of angle get out has but it's it's less commentary and more hey who will everyone just instantly hate i got it (laughs) neo-nazis they can be the (laughs) who who are like instantly recognizable as like a tense situation to be in to start with let alone also stumbling across a murder right um so yeah that is a good description of movies we have done before that if you mix together could create this movie which is an odd feature for you to bring in but i guess we can keep doing it at a certain point we will have watched enough movies to be able to discuss it in terms of our own canon on a long enough timeline we will have watched every movie (laughs) (laughs) we only like 30 episodes deep and it's like been two years (laughs) i don't think we're gonna get to every movie before billy dies no what what (laughs) what you're gonna die billy don't worry i'll put you in a computer and fuck you like that movie her (laughs) that's that's not what happens i'm pretty sure that's what happens in her in joaquin phoenix's her He's the star of it, but he also made the movie for some reason. I think it's Spike Jones, right? He captures Scarlett Johansson like a Pokemon in his laptop, and then he fucks her. So in Green Room, Incha, well, Incha, what was, what were your first reactions when you first saw the movie? Like, what's your opinion of it? Um, the first time I saw it, I like, like, it, it kind of, it's, it's good how you compared it to Free Fire, because, like, I love... Because, like, I love self-contained movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it being, like, contained to, like, this one spot freaked me out. And it's, and it's not, in fact, of, like, they do have this weird, this, like, space of, like, it's a show. Like, I've been in places like that. And it's terrifying. If you get into that situation, it's going to be terrifying. So it gave me, like, flashbacks of being in, like, a VFW when I was younger and seeing like a band play. And if I saw a girl with a fork in her head or a knife in her head, I'd be like, this is not my day. <laughs> this but... is not my day. <laughs> really? Um, cause that's weird. Cause if I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> you just stab her a little bit more. <laughs> Billy stumbles on it. He's like, oh shit, we're killing ladies. Awesome. They just, he pushes the knife. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Um, I go with the flow. Yeah. No. (laughs) What did you think of it, Billy, having come to it fresh? Yeah, I came to it completely fresh. I I knew the title, 
that's how much I knew this time. You so knew like, Patrick Stewart was in it, did you not? Or did I, you forget? I remembered that when he showed up. I'm like, oh shit, yeah. Oh, you Patrick knew he Stewart's was in it in once this. he showed up? Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, like, I remembered it then. But, like, I had no idea that Aaliyah Shawkat was in this. Yes. And I love her. Yeah. And I'm so little... surprised that, like, I'm kind of surprised that, like, Michael didn't pitch this at first. Like, watch this Patrick Stewart movie. I Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I should have kept it. <laughs> I should have just been like, oh, it's a lovely movie called Green Room starring Patrick Stewart <laughs> and Aaliyah Shawkat. You would love this film. <laughs> and little Anton Yelchin. I know. Rest in yeah. peace, Anton Yelchin. I love him so, so much. So really, it's it's the weirdest Star Trek movie where <laughs> Chekhov has to survive Picard's attack. Yes, I picture this is what Quentin Tarantino's... Uh, a Star Trek movie will be, except they'll all be in Starfleet uniforms, but there will be the same amount of uh, racism in it. I'm just kidding. I don't think Quentin Tarantino's racist. <laughs> but he is... I was still talking about Quentin Tarantino for some reason. He's the epitome of white dudes who think it's cool that black guys get to say it. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think it's in any malicious way, but he does seem to very much enjoy having people say it. Yeah, like if if you if you had dinner with him, you wouldn't be super surprised when it slipped out. He would absolutely mm. quote someone and use it. <laughs> like he would absolutely, <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, in Pulp Fiction. Which is a movie that you don't have to say the N-word in at all. Like, it makes sense for Django, kind of. Well, definitely for Django, but kind of for Hateful Eight, too, a little bit. Um, because of the time period. But you don't have to say it in Pulp Fiction. But he makes sure the character he plays says it. Which is an odd choice. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. I don't know why we're talking about it. Well, because Patrick Stewart says it. Yeah. It is our. I was. I was trying to figure this out earlier. How many hard R's have we had on Film Runners so far? Because <laughs> I said it was three. You think it's three? Yeah. Sean William Scott was... was the big one, right? Yeah. Yeah, because it's been one of yours and one of mine, oh, nice. and then this one. Yeah. I said. <laughs> Which like the only one of yours I can think it would have been in is Forbidden Zone. I think it was on the screen. It had blackface so does that count? Is yeah, that I think like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Is that better that's or like worse? That's like the hardest Yeah, R. I was gonna say, that's gotta be like work too, right? Like if somebody just let Al Jolson say it, he wouldn't have done all that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Quentin Tarantino, truly the Al Jolson <laughs> Al Jolson over a time. Um, I am excited for that next Tarantino movie. That sounds dope. With Leo and Brad Pitt. Does it have blackface in it? Yeah, they're playing uh, Al Jolson. <laughs> they're both playing competing Al Jolson. No. It's the, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's offensive in a whole other way. Because it's about uh, uh, Sharon Tate is one of the main characters in it. Margot Robbie is playing her. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. But it looks cool. I don't know. Anyway. So in green room, yeah. What did you think, Billy? So yeah, you would come to a yeah. I liked it. I liked it right off the bat. I'm like, oh, cool. We're like following the adventures of a punk band as they like try and make it in this really like low rent, low budget way of of living a true, authentic life. Mm -hmm. And then they run into the neo Nazis. Yes. And then I'm like, okay, well, this is clearly uncomfortable. 
<laughs> and then, then once they go back into the green room and they get locked into that, I'm like, okay, I know exactly what it is from here on out. Like, we are just going to survive this shit. And who's going to survive? Yeah. It's like... Uh, it's it was so gory yeah <laughs> i was not level for <laughs> how gory it got it's 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 so um it's like a, a survival procedural because it's so like matter of fact about its its violence and the terrible shit that happened like anton yelchin's arm when he comes back in with it it's disgusting yeah. it's absolutely disgusting <sighs> oh and okay you know what really bothered me about that is that then they were, like, doing first aid on him and just, like, wrapping the duct tape around the arm and, like, just at least, like, put, like, a sweater around that and then duct tape it. That's really funny because when his arm gets fucked up and it's all sliced open and shit and they have, like, a towel on it, I was thinking as I was watching it, I was like, they wrap the duct... Because I knew they found duct tape and wrapped yeah, it around. they had I was a like, towel. They That's wrap the it thing. around the towel on his arm, right? But then, no, they don't. They just no, wrap it right on it. Straight his on it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm literally sitting there being like, if you survive this shit... They, you're gonna lose that arm. Yeah, kind like, of. Like right? they are not yeah. gonna. They're, you're gonna lose the skin on that arm at the very least. Yeah, I, I don't. My my medical training was all in a tizzy. I don't have high hopes for his arm. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. So, what were your feelings overall about the movie? Did you enjoy it? I guess enjoy is a weird <laughs> way to. No, I did. I really enjoyed it, and I like how it started off with the punk band because it, it really kept that energy. Mm-hmm. Of it being, like, gritty and raw. And I, I thought all the performances were very enjoyable. It had momentum. It does. I think I noticed this time, I've seen this movie, like, at least... I'm going to say 15 times. <laughs> I've seen it a lot. Uh, and I noticed the score this time helps keep it's a very tense movie like my brother-in-law we were talking about it the other day um my brother-in-law he said he's it's he really enjoyed it but he's like i never want to watch it again it's so stressful when it was (laughs) over i was like oh thank god it's over and it is and i think the score helps that it's got like a sort of like a low building buzz that never sort of crescendos it's just like constantly putting you on edge Mm -hmm. and i think it's just really like it's a really lean movie too it's like an hour and a half and like it does everything quickly and well like i think um like you said it's well acted and i think it's the characterization is so quick and on point like you immediately understand each character almost as soon as they're on screen the acting and the the writing and just everything, even the production design and everything, just like sells who everybody is, that, so you understand them like instantly. Did um, do either of you like? <sighs> what? <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm trying to phrase it right because for me, did either of you consider joining a, <laughs> an ultra right? Didn't they have some points? Though? <laughs> God. <laughs> no, what I was gonna say is one of the things for me was that I was really surprised every time by who was living and who was dying because it happened so quick yes like a lot of the times people were killed off before they were even given their moment and it wasn't until pretty much after Aaliyah Shawkat died that I remembered like oh shit Anton Yelchin hasn't said what his Desert Island band would be yeah 
and I remember, I'm like, okay, that's the tell. So he makes it to the end. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really good uh, punchline to the, the entire thing. Yeah. But I think it does a good job. I think watching it, Anton Yelchin was the only one who I was kind of sure was going to be the main character because I know who Anton Yelchin is. But like when he gets his arm fucked up and is basically like yeah. out of service for a long time. I wrote down that he's dead at that point. I'm like, yeah. well, he's dead. And then I just called him. Yeah. It's a huge surprise when that happens. And then when I think it's Daniel is the name of the guy who was like the dude who interviewed them's brother. Um, when he's like helping them and he just gets blown away before he gets to really help them. It's yeah. that's a huge surprise. And I think it's that it's really good and it amps up the tension because no matter how smart or well thought out a plan is or a character is, it has absolutely no bearing on how successful that plan is. It's very yep. like not random chance, but it's like realistic in a sense because it's like in a in a more I guess mainstream version of this movie um reese would who i love i think he's great would probably be the main character because he's like he seems like the most um capable character right was he the wrestler yeah he was the guy who's done like uh what's he say like i don't know taibo or whatever <laughs> Ninja, nin, whatever he does yeah he's the one ninjutsu were you about to i was say? gonna say ninjutsu's no joke though so i can't joke uh He's the one who seems like he'd be like the main character in a more mainstream version of this because he's he's very capable, he's very take charge or whatever. But he like he tries to crawl out a window and then gets like stabbed to death and it's very sad. <laughs> I loved Reese. Ancha really loved Reese or seemed to really love Reese. Yeah, I Ancha, I really want to know what you thought of these characters. I hate this. Like the only reason why I hate, I hate this, this movie. movie. I hate everyone in this movie <laughs> no. and I was so happy when they died. No. The only reason why I hate this movie is because I really ended up caring about everybody except for the neo Nazis. But like I I really like it it kind of it it was really like I don't know how to put it. It's like characters like I really love characters that like kind of just come out of nowhere and don't have backstories and if you can do that with you could do that in purpose I think that's great and with these characters it's kind of just like you don't really know anything about them they're just a band who just wants to play gigs and who has like either really really shitty music or really really great music and you just kind of like all of them yeah. like and like with Reese I was like Oh, my tough little muffin. You're going to die. I know this. Yeah, it's so sad. I agree with you 100% um, about their characterization because, like, other lesser movies would feel a need to, like, fill us in on the history of the band or the dynamics or whatever. But they, like, yeah. sell it perfectly through their acting and through, like, even, I would say. We do get an interview yeah, I was gonna with say, them at the I, beginning. I was going to say, even the interview. <laughs> is like almost too much exposition but it like pays off in a lot of ways so it's fine but also it's kind of weird because like that interview it doesn't even really say much about no. them it's so far removed yeah and then like yeah and it's so like uh like the way the way like the characters are just built upon it just like in their terror is kind of cool because yeah. like reese is just like yo 
okay, I was tough, but also, fuck this, this is weird. And then, like, Anton Yelchin is has his hand off, so, like, he's terrified. And then... Has his um, hand off. <laughs> 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 You're and thinking Tiger... of the Lego movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tiger is just, like, he becomes, like... Tiger, Tiger's a sweetheart. I, I, feel so I was yeah, he so becomes, like, sad so when he died. Because like... it's, like it's a bad death. Yeah. <laughs> it is. And then, like, Aaliyah Shawkat's character is just, like, I just want to make this out alive. I'm Sam? the only yeah, woman so cool. in this tribe. Yeah, <laughs> and then she doesn't. Um, yeah, I would watch an entire like series about the band, about the eight rights, <laughs> about like Pat, Reese, Tiger, and Sam just like going around. Like not even like a thriller or a horror movie, <laughs> like just them yeah. hanging out because they're so they're all so good. I love the scene when they came out for that show and the first song they sang was Fuck Off Nazi Punks. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great <laughs> moment of both like showing how great these characters are and how fucked they now are. I like that uh, that's another really good bit of characterization is that uh, Anton Yelchin's character comes up with the idea to play Nazi Punks Fuck Off. Yeah, and, and then, then he chickens yeah, out. Yeah, and then he's like, once they're on stage, he's like, I really don't want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> but then they do it and it's awesome uh, yeah and then it goes into that slow motion yeah and uh i really like the running not gag but about uh how it sort of pays off uh, about not keeping your shit in the hallway because it's a fire hazard yeah oh, <laughs> and they know I shit's wrong that. because there's shits in the fire ho- in the hallway and it's a mm-hmm. fire hazard mm-hmm and then, uh, and then I love how when you actually see Patrick Stewart, he's like, "Move this stuff! It's a fire hazard." That's not a bad Patrick Stewart, Billy. <laughs> that really is. It might be one of your better impersonations on this show, which isn't saying anything at all. I can. Yeah, you see, the thing with Patrick Stewart is that he usually just doesn't say much, so it's fine. Come. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine fucking Patrick Stewart, and he just. Says that. I'm not ready. <laughs> and then he says, "Make it so." <laughs> and I've I've already seen everything. <laughs> then he drops to one knee. Engage. <laughs> He's in Dune, which is a movie we should do sometimes. He's in Dune. He is in Dune. Yeah. He plays. Is it Gurney Halleck? Is that who he plays? He can't play in the. I don't know the Gurney. names of anybody. In he Dune. plays a guy named Gurney Halleck. I think. Yes. <laughs> Um, I gotta look at my notes. So yeah, so then, so once they're they're stuck in the room because they walked upon him, walked in on a murder scene, and then uh, shit goes crazy. And Mason Blair is like sort of the head of he's like kind of Patrick he's Stewart's like the house manager. Yeah, he's say. like Patrick Stewart's yeah. sort of right hand man. He like runs the bar and shit. Uh, he's very put upon, and he's a, it's a very enjoyable performance. I really like him in this. Um, Mason Blair, by the way, was in the Jeremy Saulnier's um, first movie, Blue Ruin, which is amazing, and he's the main character in that. And he wrote and directed I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore, which was, oh. like, my favorite movie last year. Um, anyway, he's very good. And then he calls in Patrick Stewart, and Patrick Stewart shows up, and then it's, like, a standoff between the two groups. Yeah, and uh, what did you guys? And Patrick Stewart is so capable. Like he is the most competent villain. He's very. I've seen. Yeah, yeah he's very uh, good at being like 
creepy kind of yeah. like he's very he's... But like just because he has it all in control and everything makes sense like the fact that he doesn't want any fire hazards because like they have heroin in the basement <laughs> yeah it's it's good that it immediately sets i'm not gonna call it what he calls it but it oh is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's good that it it like immediately sets the main characters on their back heels because they stumbled into the situation they don't know the layout of the place they have no expertise on this and like you know patrick stewart's character is like a details guy like he's got he knows everything like he quickly comes up with a plan for how to get rid of the band and like he he's the one who figures out that daniel guy was gonna rat on them and he the dude who like helps them right because he's like what are we forgetting right yeah yeah two details and i'm like what what are you well that's the crazy thing is that i i thought of it like this time while i was watching like it's a very simple basic premise which i really enjoy it's very hitchcockian like put characters in a situation and then like watch them squirm around right but (laughs) there's like a very detailed and complicated backstory that you don't really need to understand but like if you do it's like adds a bunch of rich layers to it about like they had previously had a quote unquote boot party and killed a guy. (laughs) And this other guy was going to run away with a lady. And he had like evidence of them having killed the person in his trunk and they were going to run away together. But the lady was the one who was killed. It's like such a weird, complicated, like history of this, um, these fucking nazis yeah <laughs> that sort of just lays in the back you know it doesn't really affect much but it just creates a more like developed world i guess right yeah because i have like half the time i was watching i was like have you guys done this before because this is kind of weird like it's kind of like it just i think the reason why it kind of just felt so another thing that it felt it was it felt claustrophobic where it was kind of just like you guys all of you like all of you guys have done this type of a thing before and killed a bunch of people and also why why are you also okay with this it's Mm -hmm. kind of like it just makes it feel like you don't you don't even like you as a viewer don't even have an escape yeah because because everybody has it all so thought out yeah yeah, and what what I loved about that was that even like the punks were reacting in intelligent ways. Yeah, like immediately yeah. when they're like, "Oh, I'm the owner. I'm here to talk to you." They barricade the door, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Hey, like, are the cops coming?" Uh, no, they're not coming back. Well, that's what concerns <laughs> us. Me. Oh, yeah, it's on the engine. So fucking good. And yeah. when oh, and man. like when the power goes out, and Tiger notices he could see light through the ground and he X's it off and they cut down into the, 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 the lab that they got down there. That's like, it, there's a lot of really like smart, like tactical things that they do mm-hmm. that, that makes it a lot richer. Um, I like, uh, what did you guys think about Imogen Poots's character? Amber. I really liked her. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's kind of weird that I liked her because it's just, because, like, 
she's another character that uh, that honestly has no backstory like nothing she just went with her friend yeah you get like one line of backstory and it's like in the background overheard while somebody else is like looking around you sort of hear it's yeah. they explain sort of why she's <laughs> like a neo-nazi kind of yeah. <laughs> um but uh but yeah she doesn't really have any and you just sold her whole personality through her performance which is great like and she's very stoic too yeah. like she's just like low voiced like do it or die i don't care yeah she's probably <laughs> the most her and sam are probably the most her and like Aaliyah shawkat are, are the most competent characters after reese probably they're actually probably better than reese because yeah. reese was very willing to like fuck off i just want to run out of here like i just want to go <laughs> yeah. like after he breaks a guy's arm he's just like oh it's too real now yeah. it's too real it's fucking amber's like let me just like cut him stem to stern yeah let me just field dress this fucking fat nazi um yeah she she's an interesting character i definitely think she had some like PTSD going on from the evening like like she was in shock or she she was not in her best mental state tonight I don't think any Nazis are in their best mental state believe me maybe you and I disagree on that I don't know no I well yes. she did just watch her friend die yeah I get it yeah get stabbed in the fucking head that sucks yeah it would suck I don't want that to happen to me or my friends. No. Um, yeah, I really like going back to, was it, I think Incha said that it was, it was, it added to the, how creepy it was that like, it's clearly dealing with like a dead body is clearly something they've done before. Cause they're so like yeah. methodical about it is that this whole situation is treated like, a work fuck up <laughs> like mason blair was basically the like floor manager who had to like who was upset he had to call the boss in on his day off or something <laughs> um that is exactly what it was like yeah it was definitely yeah. like that i also like the clever ways in which they like cleared out the bar by saying there was like some power situation going on and then yeah. patrick stewart offered free drinking between two and four the next night <laughs> Oh, and what was it he said about, like, what was the, I think I wrote it down. He he said, it's remember, it's not a move, it's not a party, it's a movement. Yeah, but there was also, because he mentioned they were having, like, a, a, um, a seminar about, <laughs> like, <laughs> white genocide or something. Yeah. Um, so it's crazy how, like, organized they are, and, like, how quickly they thought of the plan to take care of the police by having... Oh yeah, the two guys. Two, I thought that was so clever. It was very clever. <laughs> that was so fucking smart. Yeah. Like, like they do a Nazis. good job of showing how competent the bad guys are, which just amps up like how fucked up, how fucked the situation mm -hmm. is for like our heroes. I really liked in the very end of the film when we went back to that uh, the first punk that like they spent that night with, and he's just like vacuuming his apartment, mm -hmm. just to yeah. show that like this didn't affect him at all yeah like he sent he sent these people to their deaths and he had no idea he's just like yeah my cousin's into some shit yeah but just lay low play a gig now his cousin and his cousin's girlfriend are fucking dead and he's just vacuuming for no reason 
And uh, yeah, I really like it's very tightly written because like the beginning of the movie is them showing up to going there to play a show, doing like an interview for the radio, blah, blah, blah. And then it ends the next sort of morning after all the shit went down and you hear their interview on the radio station like playing as as uh anton yelchin and imogen poots are sitting there after all the shit goes down do, do you yeah you can hear it in yeah. the background playing out of the van's radio it's oh. like so bittersweet yeah it's really sad that's when the dog <laughs> walks by oh should we talk about the dogs the racist oh yeah racist dogs. we should talk because the... because here's the thing dogs aren't nazis dogs aren't nazis <laughs> dogs owners of People don't wait. Hold on. What's the thing? People don't shoot people. No, guns don't shoot people. People dogs people don't shoot people. Dogs people shoot dogs. People. Dogs aren't racist. People are racist with their dogs. <laughs> um, yeah. There's a lot of dogs in this movie, and uh, they're adorable dogs, but uh, they're used to rip the throats out of some of our favorite characters. Viscerally. Yeah. It's Tiger's neck is all fucked up when uh, mm-hmm. that that's what yeah. that's what I thought was the saddest death. It was sad because he's just like, Tiger was just a little like sad boy, and then there goes his neck. Yeah, I think at least because Aaliyah Shawkat was fantastic as usual, but her death at least <laughs> felt it seemed like it went by fast, even though she got chewed to death by dogs. But Reese, they just let him bleed out so that he'd die later, which is really sad. And Tiger got his throat ripped and he was just like laying there and dying and it was very sad. Mm. I was just sad to see any of these characters die, frankly, because they're all great. Mostly the dog, though. That dog, like... That dog's a trooper. That dog had, like, its final walk and then just came right back and it was just like, well, my owner's dead and I'm gonna die soon, so I'm just gonna lay my head right here. Yeah, it was adorable and sad. (laughs) And... I mean, I was very glad that that guy was dead. Although that's another thing that makes it like um, how business-like this whole situation is for them. When uh, when Mason Blair goes to get more money to like pay the guys to stab themselves to cover it up for the cops from the dog guy who apparently runs the books, <laughs> and he's like, "I need six hundred bucks or whatever," and he's like, "I just gave you three fifty. and he's like, "Yeah, but there's a situation." And he's like, "Well, I still got to keep the books." It's like, fuck off, you Nazi. <laughs> Not only are you a Nazi, <laughs> now you're a fucking accountant Nazi? Come on. But it's, it makes it very transactional, which is, like, creepier. I wrote down, one of my notes is, uh, Box Cutter Belly and Anton's Arm, <laughs> which is the name of our band now. <laughs> box, box Cutter Belly would be a good band name. It's not a bad band name. Yeah. Yeah. Um... But yeah, just about how crazy the violence is. <laughs> it's insane. How like sudden and matter of fact, which you mentioned. Yeah. The blood from Patrick Stewart's head wound. Yeah. That was good. It just fucking pours. Mm-hmm. Like a, like a fruit gusher. Yeah. They did a really good job, too, before uh, Anton Yelchin's arm gets all fucked up. Because they have a gun in the green room and they've got themselves barricaded and they agree to relinquish the gun but they do a really good job of like shooting it even though we know they're gonna get fucked over it's all shot within the room so we don't know what's going on outside until they Mm -hmm. do which is really well done like we have 
slightly more information. Like we know they plan to set them up, <laughs> but we're like, we don't know in the physical space what is going to happen when they when they give the gun up. Which is speaking of physical space, uh, they do a really good job of laying out. Like I think a lot of action scenes these days, or even horror movies and whatnot, they do a bad job of putting us within a physical space. Um, there are directors who are really good at it, like John McTiernan, who did Die Hard. He's really good. Like you know, if not know, you understand the layout of Nakatomi Plaza in Die Hard, right? Um, Neil Marshall is a horror director who's really good at it. And um, Wes Craven, the ending of Scream at the farmhouse. Like, yeah. it's mm-hmm. really good at laying out where everything is. So you're like in the moment with the characters. And I think this does a great job of that. Like, we. You know, also, because all those, all those names you just said, like, those are movies from like 20 to 30 years ago at this point. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's sort of fallen out of fashion for just big cgi spectacle i guess is probably what's more but uh i think that it would have been stronger in uh green room if it just ended with a big green light in the middle of the nazi compound that they had to stop yeah big big ass blue (laughs) laser like shooting up into the sky exactly (laughs) we need to get the laser going they're turning everyone into nazis they're turning everyone into white people we need to stop them um it's a reverse get out. Yeah. <laughs> it's a classic reverse get out situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have to, uh, or no, I'm not, why did I say they have to? But it's a, it does, it does a really good job of like laying out the bar and the green room and like even the room underneath and everything. Like we understand the physical space. So when characters do stuff within it, we we're right there with them. You know what I mean? Like you... You get the limitations of what's going on. Yeah, that goes to like what Incha was saying about it being claustrophobic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 100%. It does. It does fall within. I think we've talked about it before, Incha. Um, sort of latter day Hitchcockian films that are like claustrophobic, like uh, Free Fire and Phone Booth. Mm-hmm. Um, I even think like Race Against the Clock movies are sort of claustrophobic, even if they're wide open, like cellular. Remember that movie with Chris Evans yeah, and William H. Macy? That's a good movie. That is a good movie. <laughs> uh, it's it's it falls in that realm, you know. It's very mm-hmm. heartbreaking how scared Anton Yelchin is before he hands the gun out the door, and he doesn't even know his arm's gonna get fucked up. Yeah, but oh. he's he's so good at acting like fucking terrified as you would be in that yeah. situation well yeah it's like that quote i did earlier the, that's what concerns us man like <laughs> yeah. when he goes like full shaggy rogers <laughs> yeah 100 percent. if they had done like a a 2009 live action scooby-doo movie that's who should have played shaggy as anton yelchin imagine if they did a gritty scooby-doo re- reboot that was like if you made tiger a, a girl it could be the these characters this band reese would be fred yeah, Anton Yelchin wow. would be Shaggy. Aaliyah Shawkat oh. would be, uh, would she be Velma? Yeah. I think she's yeah. more of a Velma than and a then Daphne. Yeah, Tiger is Daphne. Yeah, you could 100% do a gritty reboot. No, those are the archetypes. Yeah, easily. Who's the talking dog? Oh, probably the dogs, right? <laughs> but they would talk. <laughs> the racist dogs. <laughs> it's Scooby-Doo, but he has a lot of ideas about who should and shouldn't sleep with each other. <laughs> 
<laughs> is Dubert a white name? Is that where does Dubert come from? Because that's his last name, right? Dubert? No, it's not. It's simply Scubert Do. Oh, so Scoo. Oh, it's Scubert Do. <laughs> yeah. So what is Do? Do that's just it's a it's a family name. He's you know he's related to Scrappy Do and Ruby Do. Oh, yeah, I know it's how weird, relatives though, at some parts of the family. <laughs> in, no, but his family's strange because then. Oh you, yeah, this talking dog's family is strange. You go up to like <laughs> Grandpappy Scooby and Great Grandpappy Scooby, and it's like, well, you have the Scooby side of it because you also have Scooby Dumb and Scooby D who are cousins. So it's you have the Scooby side of the family and the Do side of the family. So Scooby Doo is then, like a hyphenated name. I think so. I think it's like a Walsh Kelly. Yeah, or a <laughs> Carrot Top. <laughs> um, interesting. Well, not really. Um, <laughs> and if you think it's interesting, tune into no, 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 no. Or Scooby Doo. I was just going to say, we're not going to do some free promotion. Your, your little side project. We are. We are going to do some free... I'm going to put an ad on the back of this podcast episode. Hey, you know what? If you like mattresses, if I could deal with them, every fucking podcast advertised for mattresses that come in a box. Um, I really... I wrote down, because I must have really enjoyed it, when Darcy says, I'm going to need a push broom <laughs> to set the stage for <laughs> for the setup because the setup is the nazis are gonna have the dogs kill them kill the the band members and then set it up near the farm that's next to or the estate that's next to the bar and make mm-hmm. it seem like they were siphoning gas and then the guard dogs got them right that's the big setup that's why they can't just go in there and like blow them away which I think is very clever, right? Because it does seem like it would be very easy for them to just get a bunch of Nazis with shotguns to bust the door down and blow them away. So it's it's uh, it's cool that they have that concept. Um, but anyway, apparently, a lot of this staging of the scene involves using a push broom <laughs> to get rid of, I don't know, dirt. I don't know what he was push brewing. <laughs> what did he need a push broom for? I'm... Well, you can wash up the blood and then push broom it away into the grass. What? What are you talking? About? <laughs> you can push. That might have also been, there, might have, like, there were just a lot of beer bottles and stuff around. Maybe that was just get the club ready for tomorrow. So just in general, he was like, "I need." Yeah. Speaking of, even if these people weren't being murdered today, I would need a push broom. Like while shit is going on, you know what? We have to. We promise people free beer tomorrow. People are gonna show up. I need to clean up these peanut shells. <laughs> What did you think of um, uh, Anton Yelchin's pep talk and then their plan at the end? The uh, the the paintball pep talk. Paintball pep talk. Nothing. <laughs> Didn't <laughs> think about it at all. Incha is watching another yeah. movie right now. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I liked it. I feel like it, you know it wasn't revelatory. No. Of like, let's just pretend there. It did make it really fun when they decided to just like go full out and antagonize them. Yeah. I loved his line of being Odin himself. Yeah, that's the best. And, and actually <laughs> I actually didn't it. notice at first that Anton Yelchin had shaved his head for that. Yeah, I totally... I I um, I um, forgot that that happens, even though I've seen this movie so many fucking times. 
but when she like when she finds the electric razor or whatever and then plugs mm-hmm. it in i totally didn't even notice what she was doing and then i was like oh yeah that makes perfect sense i mean not perfect sense but i love the scene <laughs> to defeat a skinhead one must, must become the skinhead <laughs> uh yeah the odin himself line is like my second favorite line in the entire yeah. thing uh, i also really like that because patrick stewart i think was channeling a lot of that odin energy yeah he's very uh <laughs> Hashtag big Odin energy. <laughs> big, big Odin energy. <laughs> I don't know. This whole movie is my shit, but I really love the entire scene where after he does that to like confuse them and then he jumps down the hole and then the one guy with the three shots and his shotgun goes down the hole. Um, and then it's sort of like, not a cat and mouse, but it's like a waiting game to see who will do what. Because, oh, first of all, the shot where the other skinhead is waiting at the head of the hole and the head of the hole at the opening <laughs> of the hole. And then, uh, Imogen Poots like crawls out of the couch over his shoulder. Like she was hiding inside the couch. Mm-hmm. That shot's so fucking cool. Um, and then she kills him. And then it's like the guy with the shotgun keeps going back and forth from the hole to Anton Yelchin. And like, it's just so incredibly tense and good because it's like it's the first sort of time they've gotten the upper hand in any situation yeah and it's so smart when she like dangles the dead nazi's legs down and makes the dude waste a shot and then she just like shoots homeboy in the head and it's amazing and i could just literally say and then this happens and then this happens. <laughs> like i'm just so excited about thinking about the movie right now um yeah, that whole, and I, I really like how that whole sequence is, I think that's a sequence where the score is used really well, like you said earlier, mm-hmm. but also the way that she keeps saying, like, three shots left, yeah, two she, shots left, uh-huh. like, it's, it, it gave it a rhythm. She's such a fucking brat in the movie, like, she's such a <laughs> dick, but in a good way, um... Yeah, I didn't, I didn't ever get, like, a handle on her character... But I think that was also very intentional. I feel like you don't need to. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of like it's like a partnership of of uh, of convenience. Like she's stuck in the situation with them. Oh. And like, like the very end is like a punchline <laughs> about that, basically about like uh, them just having to do this shit together. So what did you guys think? So after they kill some Nazis and then they escape because the whole like the fake crime scene is being set up down the road. And Mason Blair is like cleaning shit up at the bar and they catch him, Imogen Poots and Anton Yelchin. And then they make him like lead them to safety. But then Anton Yelchin has a change of heart and wants to go make sure all his friends are dead. Not make sure they're dead. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, (laughs) make sure none of them are still alive to help or whatever. No, that makes it sound. (laughs) malevolent um so he decides to go back to the farmhouse and imogen poots comes too what did you guys think of that decision did you think it fit or was it a convenient way to have a final confrontation with patrick stewart i'm honestly trying to still think (laughs) (laughs) um here i'll say if i were in that situation i think i'd be dead (laughs) i would have been (laughs) taught but 
I think it fit the character. I think Pat very much seemed like a person who would. I think they sold it enough that they were like a family, the band members, that he, mm-hmm. when Mason Blair said he only knew two of them were dead, he didn't know about the third. I think that they did a good job of making it not seem contrived that like Anton Yelchin would go back to see if, if, um, someone was still alive. Yeah. Also, I, I feel like if it were me, it would also be like, you know what? Like I'm, I'm fucked now. I'm never going to be able to live a normal life. <laughs> I'm losing this arm. So, I might as well put it together. Yeah. Like I may as well kill two more Nazis. <laughs> three more Nazis. They kill three more. Yeah. Are there three? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The guy who throws the gun, the dog, yeah, the dog guy. <laughs> Who gets who Imogen Poots blows mm. away, which is awesome. And then uh Darcy. And then, then all peace do. Yeah, and that's my then my favorite line happens in that scene when they like confront Patrick Stewart. He's using the push broom in that scene. He's like <laughs> The previously mentioned push broom. Chekhov's push broom. <laughs> Anton Yelchin's push broom. Get it, because he's Chekhov. We understand. Okay. <laughs> um <laughs> He, uh, when, when he's there and he's like talking to them and did I write it down? Oh yeah. When Anton Yelchin is like, it's funny. You were so scary at night. Uh, I don't yeah. know. I just really, really like that. Yeah. Is that a lyric from something? I don't think so. I think it's original, but he was just, you know, now they've got the upper hand on him. You were so scary at night. <laughs> Yeah, that's what <laughs> You're thinking of, um... Oh, who's the fucking guy who sings that song? Corey Hart? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Canada's own Corey Canada's Hart. Canada's Corey, the hitman Hart. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I love that line. I think it's great. And then they fucking shoot Captain Picard in the head. I love that he walked away. Like, first shot through his chest he just keeps walking and yeah. like oh yeah, god that was are you going to go down <laughs> that's a great character character choice when like shit pops off him just like walking away from mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. but you know can't run from your shitty ideals my sir <laughs> and then um the very end you get uh anton yelchin finally figuring out what his desert island band is and yeah. and then Amber being like, I'm not your fucking band. I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, Tell someone who gives a shit. So here's a question. Do you think his Desert Island band, when I first saw it, I wasn't sure whether it was the Ain't Rights, like the band that obviously doesn't exist anymore now that three quarters oh, of I never even considered that. Or I wasn't sure if maybe it was Credence because a Credence song, it cuts to the credits and it's like a Credence Clearwater song. I was thinking about that too. I was like, that would make sense to do. Yeah. But I wasn't sure. I love that they left it in big because I never thought about it being the alt, the the ain't right. The alt rights. (laughs) 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 Can you imagine that music? It'd be terrible. But no, oh, that would be so sweet if he's like, oh, the one band I'd want on Desert Island is my dead friend. Oh, it's sad. It's sad when you say it. Um, well, I think sad if I say it like that. That's true. Say something. How come to film, Runner? It's a girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's the <this, this laughs> devastated doctor. The saddest doctor in the world. 
Now, here's... I didn't come up with a game for this one because I thought there was already sort of a built-in... Not a game, but oh, a built-in question. Yeah, I, I feel like I know what yeah. you're Yeah, <laughs> what are your Desert Island bands? Billy, we know yours is David Bowie. <laughs> Incha. Yes, it is. <laughs> what <are> yours? <laughs> um... Oh, that's hard. It is hard, right? I mean, it took them the whole movie um, to figure theirs out. <laughs> it is cool. Their choices are cool. Because I will say, I agree with uh, Reese. My Desert Island band would be Prince, I think. Right. So, what were the other Be- choices? Before... Amber, Madonna, Madonna and, Slayer, and Slayer, right? Yeah, that's a great choice. Someone said Britney Spears, which is awesome. <laughs> what would you choose, Billy? Is it Bowie? I would definitely choose Bowie. Yeah. And I also want to say, like, <laughs> early on in the movie, when they're doing that interview, and they're like, oh, well, you can't just, like, like have this fan base and just keep doing the same thing the whole time, or else you're just going to be Iggy Pop. And, like, fuck you, Iggy Pop is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. Steady, Billy. Savage. Billy's standing on the table right now. <laughs> He's so upset. <laughs> they said that at the beginning and just turned it off. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like, yeah, I agree. I don't think you have to agree with their philosophy necessarily. Like, Well, that's the other thing is that part of their philosophy ha- has them having no social media presence. And you just can't be a band in 2017 and ye- expect to be successful with that. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, they're clearly not successful, right? Like, But I mean, I get, it's, it's, good, um, it's good at shading them as characters. You know what I mean? But you don't have to like... Yeah, because, I mean, their whole, like, not pressing a record thing is very weird, too, or whatever. Because music lives in the now, and you've got to experience it, and once it's over, it's done, man. It's like, yeah, that's cool. But I don't know if that's a very viable business option. <laughs> but um, but it does a good job of, like, showing us who they are. <laughs> They're Iggy Pop haters. <sighs> They weren't hating on Iggy Pop. They were just like, he's very, very old right now, and he's still doing the exact same thing. Which is not, <laughs> it's not a completely out of line criticism. <laughs> Pretty sure I've seen Iggy Pop in like a jeans commercial, so. <laughs> so I feel like he's fair game when it comes to. Incha, what's your Desert Island band? <laughs> Shit. I would say My Chemical Romance and The Smiths. Nice. Mm. Very good. That's <laughs> My Chemical Romance. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's... They'd be like, I can, I can just listen to them all day and yeah. it never gets boring. You know what's really funny, speaking of My Chemical Romance, I shared uh, with our friend of the show, Aaron, today on Facebook, um, <laughs> the song Helena. And I was like, I hadn't listened. I shared it to him as a joke, just because I thought it would be funny for him to check his messages, and it would just be the YouTube video <laughs> for Helena. But when I listened to it, I was like, this is still a pretty good song. I enjoy this song. Um, I don't know if they'd be my desert. When you said check his messages, I thought you meant like you left him a voicemail of just of the just full that song. <laughs> no, we did. I sent him a voice message earlier today because we were talking about how wild it is that in our lifetime people still smoked in restaurants. Yeah. Right? Like how That's there was... a whole plot point in Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. And um, 
we created a character, this really creepy guy in a McDonald's who, who harasses people who don't sit in the smoking section. And it was like a lady sort of walking with her children to the other part of the thing. And he, this really big dude's just eating McDonald's and smoking. And he's like, uh, why are you too good for the smoking section? <laughs> he just starts coughing and like tugging at the kid's coat. And she just touches them by faster. Anyway, that's my new favorite character in anything. Um, <laughs> speaking of Mrs. Doefire, did I ever send you that somebody made a video of, because they were like, they tweeted, I'll finish a sentence, I swear to God. <laughs> they, t- they tweeted, I can't remember who it was, but they tweeted, they were like, wouldn't it be wild if Mrs. Doefire just started halfway through the movie and you had to sort of figure out the setup of like him going undercover? And then they some they made a video of at the end of Usual Suspects when the guy figures out that Kevin Spacey did it all, <laughs> but it's like him just like drinking the coffee and looking at the board. And when it comes to the board, it's the Doubtfire <laughs> headline from that movie. And then he like drops the cup in shock. It's so funny. Hello. Um, yeah. So we all did our Desert Island bands, right? Yeah, so, um, yeah, Michael, so you said Prince. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Mike, you were were Prince, I said David Bowie, and Incha said My Chemical Romance and The Smiths. That's good. That's, I like that. That's a good spread. If the three of us go to an island together. (laughs) That'll be a fucking party island. It'll be like, I still know (laughs) what you did last summer. Didn't Jack Black play a guy with dreadlocks in that who gets killed? (laughs) Do we have any Rex? Oh, do we ever. Yeah, I would recommend. Mine would be um, Jeremy Solnier's other work, um, Blue Ruin, which I think is amazing. Um, Murder Party. Um, He has a movie coming out soon-ish on Netflix. But it was supposed to be out already, but because they had a pissing contest with Cannes, it's not out. But Hold the Dark. (laughs) which I assume will be fantastic, so I'm recommending it. And I'll also recommend uh, Thoroughbreds, uh, which is Anton Yelchin's final role. He's very, very good in it, sadly. Um, But it's it's sort of like a... Not really a horror movie. It's more like a... It's kind of American Psycho-ish. But it's it's very good. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, who is like... The only real scream queen we have currently is in it, and she's great. And Olivia Cook is fantastic in it too. Uh, and if you like movies about punks, I'd also recommend Repo Man, Return of the Living Dead, and Decline of Western Civilization. Alright, Incha, do you have racks for this movie? Um, yes. I wrote them down. Hold on. Uh, I'm eliminating as I read. Um, it comes. What do you have? Wait, you just have a, a <laughs> list of every movie and you're eliminating them as you read? <laughs> Like, no, this doesn't work as a recommendation. What do you mean you're eliminating as you read? I do that. Like, sometimes I just write down, like, ten, and then I eliminate. This is this oh, is okay. how my brain works, Michael. Let me be. <laughs> um, Let me so, it comes at night. Oh, my God. Don't talk. <laughs> um, it comes at night. Um, don't breathe. Um, oh, that's a good choice. I like don't breathe. I would, I would say Fright Night, because... Mm. First of all, Nolan likes the remake of Fright Night, and Anton Yelchin is really good in it. So I like the remake of Fright everybody's Night. garbage. Thank Honestly, you. I I would have liked it if it was not connected 
to the original. Here's the thing. I think I don't like the original as much as some people. I think the original is better than Fright Night. The, the, why did I say right? better than the remake? <laughs> I think the original is better than the remake, but I don't hold it as like in as high esteem as some people must because I think they're they're pretty close. Like I don't think it's a huge yeah. gap between them. But and Colin Farrell's amazing as like an ageless sexy vampire, obviously. <laughs> and also, you can kind of see them as like their own individual movies. In yeah, yeah. Way. You don't really. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that, that's what I mean by it. like it has so like. Every idea that it brings that's new yeah. is a great idea. I think David Tennant as like a Chris angel kind of character is yep. like such a great update of that. Sort of like, instead of like a spooky horror marathon host, it's like a fucking douchebag, which is such a yeah. good update. <laughs> um, my last one was The Invitation, because it also has like The Invitation? A- Oh, yeah, we did that we already, on this show. So, so yeah. if you've listened, you should have heard that already or seen that. And hey, we also did on this show previously a band called Death, we did. which was about punks. So there are like four previous Film Runners movies in this movie. Which four? Oh yeah, you're right. Get Out <laughs> and uh, Free Fire. Yes, I forgot. If you mixed all of those together, you would get something weird. It wouldn't be this movie. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Part documentary. Part. <laughs> yeah. um, I would also like to throw with your Rex, uh, Red State, because I think oh it's my God, yeah. in that genre of you come into a compound and you need to get out before you die. I'm sorry, I thought we were recommending good movies. I think there's a lot in there. <laughs> I don't hate Red State. I think it and tusk are have good aspects to them <laughs> the slow explanation billy has a gun the slowest michael has spoken all evening <laughs> it's kind of just like trying not to say this movie was garbage no i think there i agree there's interesting stuff in red state i didn't mean to shit on your recommendation billy i'm sorry i recommend one movie you're like well <laughs> even your recommendations <laughs> Take the gun! Oh, no, 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 no,